Welcome to Crush Medical Debt, Medical Bills Uncovered, America's first medical money-saving show dedicated to protecting you from becoming a victim of the nation's number one cause of debt, stress, and bankruptcy. Medical Bills, physician and medical billing insider Dr. Virgie Bright-Ellington shares her expert secrets made easy and gives you practical tools for affordable medical bills. Everything you need so you can pay off medical bills fast. Join us on this mission to crush medical debt, because when knowledge is power, saving you time and money, health is wealth. How you pay medical bills is dead wrong. And today, I'm going to tell you why. Today is leap year day, and I thought I'd commemorate the day that only happens once every four years with sharing something that I really like to talk about. I really try not to talk about this very often, like maybe only about every four years or so, because it's a long story and it probably sounds conspiratorial. You know, it sounds like I'm saying it's a conspiracy, <laughs> really. And it's not. It's it's just how things worked out. It It is what it is. But we need to talk about how we got here, how we've learned the hard way that there's a new way of paying American medical bills because the old way doesn't work anymore. I actually tell the story about how I got clued into understanding there's a huge problem a lot. I actually tell this story a lot. I had been a board certified internal medicine physician for like 25 years and a former health insurance executive for like a decade, which gave me a complete 365 degree total view of the American healthcare system and how it works. Or so I thought, until I became a patient and found out Mia, my hospital roommate, had been tricked into signing an agreement to pay a bill I knew she didn't actually owe. (laughs) This is a true story. I I tell it all the time. It is a true story. I was overwhelmed with an incredible amount of rage. Seriously, the curtain dropped. I saw red, literally, because I knew this mom who couldn't work outside the home because her two toddler still won't oh, uh, two toddler aged children, very young young children, weren't old enough to be in school. And she got her insurance coverage. The family got their insurance coverage from her husband's work at a 24-hour diner. Clearly very modest income. So I knew that this mom had been literally conned into putting her and her family into a lifetime of debt. And this is the thing. There are 100 million Mias in the United States. There are 100 million American healthcare cost victims. And this number is growing. As of 2023, data shows that officially, for the first year ever, most people with medical debt have traditional health insurance, have traditional commercial health insurance. And this number is not going to get better, it's going to continue to grow. And that means that most people living in the United States are just one accident or serious diagnosis from a lifetime of debt. You know, crazy, right? So how is this possible and how did we get here? So let's talk about it. The American healthcare system is run by publicly traded health insurance companies. So we need to go back a ways to how this all started and how we got here. We're going to have to go way back to the late 1970s. And that's when the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, created a federal law. The SEC federal law requires that all publicly traded companies make their number one priority to generate a profit to return to shareholders. Now, before then, before this federal law was put into the into effect by the SEC, 
publicly traded companies had to demonstrate that they were good community citizens, like paying taxes to support schools and infrastructure and roads and things like that. So here we are. We've got this SEC federal law that requires all publicly traded companies to make returning a profit and generating a profit year after year after year a federal law. It's illegal for them not to make that their own priority, their number one priority to generate a profit to return to shareholders. So fast forward, when the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, went into effect in 2010, it said no pre-existing conditions can be used to keep anyone from being able to purchase insurance, commercial insurance. So this meant that there had to be a way that publicly traded insurance companies had to guarantee their profitability. And that's how coinsurance was created, essentially, and become an, an integral part, an increasing part of most policies now, commercial policies, all of the policies actually sold through the ACA or Obamacare or the Federal Exchange, whatever you call it, but also most many, let's say, commercial insurance that is sold outside of the ACA, outside of the Federal Exchange or Obamacare, whatever you want to call it. So this is how we got here. There is increasing coinsurance, which means that for every bill that an insurance company agrees to pay, there's a percentage that you're on the hook for. So in the past, they would pay for it and maybe minus co-pays and after paying uh, the meeting, your deductible. And by the way, most people, I think the number is more than 75% of people, the number could be as high as 90. I'm going to have to look that up. But the overwhelming majority of folks with traditional health insurance that have deductibles don't meet their deductible. So that means that you are officially uninsured. You have no insurance until you spend enough money to reach that number every year. And the clock starts all over January 1. So that means if you spend a bunch of money, unfortunately, let's say you got hit by a car when you're riding a bike or something on December 31st and you had to have immediate surgery on the 31st and then two months later had to have another repair of surgery, well, kind of sucks to be you. So that's, that is the system we have. So with increasing deductibles, and by the way, there's a thing called high deductible plans where essentially the, the insurance companies are saying, yeah, we'll cover you only if you spend like, there's, there are, there are plans where the deductibles are like $15,000. Like if you have $15,000 to spend every year, each and every year on any medical care that you need, you probably don't need insurance. You are basically, you can self-insure anyway. So here we are. The publicly traded insurance companies have to figure out how to make sure they guarantee a profit if the pre-existing conditions, which they used to use to make sure that they didn't have to pay out on potentially expensive people, high-risk people, they've got to they've got to guarantee their profitability. So they've been doing that with increasing deductibles and like I said, 100% of the ACA policies, meaning policies that are sold on the federal exchange or called Obamacare, have some kind of coinsurance. Ranges from 90% slash 90-10, 90% slash 10%, all the way up to 60%, 40%. So 90-10, the insurance company will pay out 90% of only the, by the way, only that care they agree to cover. And the you're on the hook for the the remaining 10% if you have a 90 10% policy if you have a 60 40% coinsurance policy then that means that the insurance company if they agree to cover the medical services and we'll talk about that that is we know that is not guaranteed it's the opposite that you're on the hook for 40%. They're only going to cover 60% of a, let's just keep the math simple, of a $100 bill. They're only going to pay 60. You're on the hook for the remaining 40. So 
This is a system we're in. And large medical providers and hospitals are trapped in the system. And this is why the old way of paying medical bills doesn't work anymore. How does it go? Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> Seriously. So large medical providers and hospitals depend on getting paid from the insurance companies who only make money. Publicly traded insurance companies only make money and generate a profit. Well, it's just, it just doesn't matter if they're publicly traded or not. Insurance companies can only generate revenue, net revenue, make a profit, make money if they limit care and or pay as little as possible, right, out on claims. So who do you think these large providers and hospitals get the most money from? Not the insurance companies who only pay them a discounted rate in exchange for access to their literally millions of potential patients. They're going to be able to get the most money from the 99.9% of folks living in the United States who don't realize they are living in the matrix. They are in the matrix called the American healthcare system. People who have to use the American healthcare system are just pawns in a huge game. So, you know, I see people posting like huge outrageous bills online. Like the American healthcare system is so outrageous, it's broken, it's it's ugly, it's problematic, this is insane, this should be illegal, la 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 la. And they complain about the huge hospital bills that they get and they say doctors get to pay, pay tons of money, right? There was a an example is there was a somebody posted something, I think it was like a Reddit chat or something, and they said they had a $100,000 bill from the hospital for just being in the hospital for like three days. And they said they showed a picture of it that their insurance paid for most of it and their net out of pocket was something like $300 or something like that. And the person said, quote, thank God I have insurance, unquote. And this is the problem is that that the numbers are totally made up. That number from the hospital that was sent to the insurance company and that's sent to you as the patient, if you don't have insurance, is totally made up. And I've never heard anyone, not one person, complain about the insurance companies on which the American healthcare system is run. I just hear people complain they can't afford the increasingly exponentially outrageous premiums. And sometimes I hear people complain about their insurance company didn't cover or pay for care that they believe should have been covered. That's the only complaints I hear. But this is the deal. Here's the deal. This is what's really going on. Large providers and hospitals have to make up these crazy fictional astronomical prices for their services to pretend they are giving huge discounts to be in network, meaning to have the, re the referral panel for potentially millions of patients. So remember, by federal law, publicly traded insurance companies have to show a profit every year, quarter after quarter, year after year to shareholders, right? We just talked about that. And after the ACA, they cannot get their guaranteed profits with avoiding people with pre-existing conditions the way they had in the past. So they have to get their profit by denying and paying for as little care as possible. And that's because all insurance companies are professional gamblers and mathematicians. They Their business is risk. They are risk companies, which means that they can only make a profit by one of two ways. All insurance companies, any kind of insurance company can only make a profit by one of two ways. One, by underwriting, meaning don't sell policies to people who are at high risk of making them pay out of claims, pay out on claims and costing them money. 
or two with claims, meaning really, really limit payout on claims, bills, basically, or don't pay out at all. So now after the ACA, publicly traded insurance companies have no ability, zero ability to manage underwriting. They have to take all comers. So what do they do? The only thing they can do, which is to reduce claim payouts or just don't pay them at all. So that's how we got into the situation. This is why having American health insurance doesn't protect us from financial risk, like having American car or homeowner's insurance. American health insurance, commercial, traditional health insurance, just gives us access to discounted medical services. That's it. If, (laughs) if, and when they choose to pay out on a claim. Are you one of the millions of Americans struggling with their medical bills? Now there is a way to get the health care you need and take care of your financial life. Dr. Virgie Bright Ellington is an internal medicine physician and she's a determined patient advocate, helping people reduce and even eliminate their medical debt. Become a member today and discover how to free yourself from a lifetime of bills at crushmedicaldebt.com. Join the Crush Medical Debt community today. Sign up at crushmedicaldebt.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Crush Medical Debt, Medical Bills Uncovered. So, this is how we got here. Publicly traded insurance companies will continue to increase profits because they have to, by law, year after year, on the backs of innocent, hardworking people living in the United States, while medical bills become the United States' number one cause of debt and bankruptcy. And given the country's current and current political and economic climate, the publicly traded insurance companies and patients completely opposite interests because right? The publicly traded insurance companies benefit from costs going up. And we patients, folks living in this country, benefit from costs going down. Folks that have to interact with the American healthcare system, which is most of us, we benefit from the costs going down. And these diametrically, hugely, completely opposite interests are not going to change anytime soon. You know, think about it. You know, back in 1965, it took a lot of political clout that probably only President Lyndon Johnson would have at that time to get Medicare pushed through. And it was at that time, the AMA, the representative of physicians and hospitals, essentially, the American Medical Association, AMA, lobbied really, really hard against that bill, saying that it would lead to government socialized or government controlled socialized medicine. And just because Lyndon Johnson is the only person, only president who would have that kind of political capital on both sides of the aisle, despite the AMA hugely trying to not get it passed, lobbying Congress they pay tons of money for lobbyists to to work against it and ask them to vote against it. It got passed and you know bilaterally um, by both by I should say bipartisan bilaterally. You can tell that's a physician talking. <laughs> bipartisan is what I meant to say. So if it took all of that, this unique political clout that this person had, this president had to get Medicare pushed through. And that was just for care for folks over the age of 65. We're saying, you know what, 
they're probably not in a position to be able to work and afford their own care. Let's give them a little bit of protection. If you pay into the system over your lifetime a little bit, then by the time you're of age 65, where you're likely going to not be able to work or not as much and or need care, then let's give let's give them something, right? So it took all of that, all of that work to get it passed back in 1965. It took another basically 50 years, 45 years for the ACA to get passed in 2010, which was an attempt to get most people living in the United States some kind of affordable health care coverage. And we're figuring out as best as we could, it's not perfect. It's not quite as affordable as we had tried or was the goal in terms of implementing the Affordable Care Act. So now it's probably going to take another 50 years to get people living in the United States, excuse me, United States <laughs> health care they can actually afford. That's the bad news. The good news is it doesn't have to be this way. Now that we figured out the game that is the American healthcare system, in which people who have to interact with the system are used as pawns, we can learn the rules of the game and protect ourselves from becoming innocent American healthcare cost victims. The number one rule in, in the American healthcare game is to understand that the old way of paying medical bills doesn't work anymore. We're gonna have to learn the only right way to pay medical bills and learn how to use insurance to protect you and yours from medical financial catastrophe. This is what you have to do. Whether or not you have traditional commercial insurance, you have to learn the three steps of the only right way to pay medical bills and learn how to pay American hospital bills or United States hospital bills. So what does this mean? Whether or not you have traditional commercial health insurance, learn the three steps of the only right way to pay medical bills. And the three steps... We talk about this all the time. Number one, make sure you get a real bill. And a real bill has CPT codes. So you get a statement. And if it doesn't say CPT or CPT slash HCPCS HCPCS someplace across the bill, then it's not a real bill. And this is hugely important because, frankly, this is where the money is. This is the language of the medical care system. It tells you, hey, am I paying for apples or cows? Did I receive services that's like an orange or like a goat? <laughs> it, you, it is the language of the medical care system. One thing that I like to think about that cracks me up when I think about explaining CPT codes to folks is there was a conversation I was having with a radio host who said, you know what CPT stands for? Because I was saying, just call it CPT codes. The real term, actually, most people who probably work in, in, the, <laughs> in the field don't know what it actually stands for because it's such a mouthful. Common procedural terminology is what it actually stands for. That's why we call it CPT. Well, he says, well, you know what? CPT actually stands for can't pay this. <laughs> and I, I think I think he's right. I think that's a great way to think about it. So first step, get a real bill with CPT codes. CPT codes are to medical services what bill or actually what barcodes are to products in a retail store. Every medical service you can think of getting operation test, blood test, procedure, office visit, ER visit has a unique CPT code. So make sure when you get a bill that it is a real bill. 
Number two, step two and the three steps on the only right way to pay medical bills is you're going to take that, those list of CPT codes, and you're going to Google, or I do now, chat GPT, an AI search on chat, uh, chat GPT, or Gemini. I run CPT codes, each of those in every do a search on every one of those codes to check two things. Number one, a description of the code to make sure that it sounds like services I received to make sure I'm not getting upcharged. Like, okay, yeah, when I went in for to the emergency room and they told me I had a, an arm fracture, they put it in a, spl- a splint and then sent me out to follow up with an orthopedic doc closer to my home and then I get a bill, you know, they'll deal with the surgery if needed and all that later, do any interventions later with an orthopedic doc closer to my home. But I get a bill saying, hey, the CPT code stands for humeral fracture intervention. Well, that sounds like an upcharge to me. An intervention is not giving somebody a sling. That is not an intervention. <laughs> so that's the first thing you're going to do in step two is to run the CPT, each CPT code you find on your real bill, run it through to make sure that the description sounds like the services that you got. You're not being double billed or having, you know, bills broke or codes rather, services broken out that should be all one code, that kind of thing. And two, while you're there in step two, and this is the key, you're going to find out what Medicare pays for each of those CPT codes, each of the medical services you received. Because in the United States, Medicare is the absolute lowest price that providers accept for medical services. Bar none, there is no lower medical service price or rate that any insurance company pays that the insurance, apologies, the providers, hospitals, large providers, physicians will accept. It is the absolute lowest price period that is paid out for medical services in the United States. So if you have that number of what Medicare pays for each of those CPT codes, you got it. This is you can do lots of searches, but there's not going to be any lower number, any lower price that's paid for medical services you can receive in the United States. So in step two, you're totaling up all of those CPT codes and prices that's paid by Medicare. And you're going to take it to step three, that total, and you're going to call back the hospital or you often it's a hospital, but the provider's billing department and say, hey, yeah, um, you know that bill I got, you know, my favorite example I like to use, a hypothetical example is an emergency hernia surgery. So let's say our hypothetical example, we call back in step three, the hospital where we had our emergency hernia surgery and we say, hey, yeah, you know that bill, I, I know I got a bill from you guys for $10,000, but in my case, I am willing and able to pay $3,000. Now, this sounds like a huge number that is meaning a huge difference in number that the hospital, the large provider in this case, would not accept. It is really common, the the difference in pay for the payout by Medicare for medical services are often a fraction, no more than half, sometimes a tenth of what providers charge. I call them wishing fantasy numbers because they're wishing and hoping and praying that you'll fall for it. You'll fall for their MRSP, their manufacturer sticker retail price. So that is the three steps of the only right way to pay medical bills to make sure that you're not hugely overcharged and to make sure that you're getting charged appropriately, you're not getting double billed, and you're not going into debt for money that you actually don't owe. Now, many, many, many folks, when I say, hey, 
you want to find out what Medicare pays for services, I get a couple of reactions and they both kind of fall under their eyes, kind of glazing over and just like checking out. (laughs) Because the first thing that most people say is Medicare, well, that's for old people. I'm not old. I'm not eligible for Medicare. I don't have Medicare. And my response is, yeah, you don't have to have Medicare to understand that that is the basic, basic, lowest, most fair retail price for medical services. So what you're doing when you're doing the three steps is automatically negotiating. This is how you negotiate without negotiating, right? You can't get blood from a stone. It is what it is. Those are the three steps to make sure that is the lowest, most fair, basic price that you negotiate for your medical bills, If you, particularly if you don't have health insurance. Now, if you have health insurance, commercial, traditional health insurance, you're going to go through the three steps just to make sure that you haven't, your the provider hasn't overbilled the insurance because, again, we talked about coinsurance, right? Whatever the insurance company, even if it makes it past the insurance company and they decide to pay for it, you're going to be on the hook for 10% to 40% of it, right? If you have a deductible, a high deductible you haven't met yet, that's just more money you have to shell out, more services that you have to shell out in order to have the insurance company kick in and cover things. So this is why whether you have traditional commercial health insurance or not, you've got to learn the three steps of the only right way to pay medical bills and protect yourself and your financial future. The other thing you have to do, whether or not you have traditional commercial health insurance, is learn how to pay American hospital bills. Hospital bills for or by institutions, facilities in the United States, which most are actually nonprofit. And this is why this is important. Approximately 65% of hospitals and medical centers in the United States are nonprofit. And this is important because in exchange by federal law, in exchange for nonprofit status, these facilities, medical facilities, hospitals, don't pay a dime for millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of revenue, right? They don't pay a dime of taxes on this revenue in exchange for giving sliding scale income-based discounts for folks who live in the communities in which they operate. This means that by law, Every person who gets receives care at a nonprofit facility, medical facility or hospital, has to be allowed to apply for what's called financial aid, financial assistance, charity care. I just call it sliding scale income-based discount. By law, we are all to be given the opportunity to apply. And you'd be surprised. Sometimes the bill is so huge in comparison to if you think you have a huge income, depending on what their policy is and their formula is for each institution, you might be able to get a a bill, if not completely wiped away, significantly reduced. So this is what you have to do, whether you have commercial or traditional health insurance or not. If your bill is from a hospital or medical facility, check to make sure that it is a nonprofit, 65% of hospitals in this country are, and then apply for an income-based discount, sliding scale income-based discount before you pay the bill, before you apply, definitely before you, you pay the bill for sure, but also before you apply the three steps. If your income is low In relationship to how huge the bill is, you might be able to get the whole thing wiped away according to their formulas. And what's interesting is many non excuse me, many for-profit 
hospitals and medical centers, 35% of which are in the U.S. And actually, in the states of Nevada and Texas, this number came out, most facilities, 51% of facilities in those states are actually for-profit. But anyway, if the facility you went to is a nonprofit by law, they have to give you an application and and have your income and the bill be applied to their formula to see if it's if it should be discounted significantly or completely. But it's really surprising that for-profit hospitals often have really generous financial assistance and financial aid programs. So it doesn't hurt to ask. Always ask for an application. Crush Medical Debt is proud to be a supporting partner of Single Care. In my research, Single Care's free drug discount card saves us the most money on our prescription medications, even compared to insurance. You know, I say this a lot. Don't just take my word for it. Look it up. <laughs> That's where I found it. I found it in verywellhealth.com. Healthline.com and helpadvisor.com. Single care, which is available to all residents of the United States over the age of 13 for free, is a prescription savings card giving you up to 80% in discounts without having to share any personal information. And unlike other more well known free prescription discount cards, You don't have to pay for a membership for extra discounts, and it's been cited as best for future savings compared to all free prescription discount cards. What makes Single Care unique is this bonus savings program. When you register for it, you earn money towards future prescriptions. And the program even offers around $5 in savings just for signing up. And since 2014, Single Care free prescription discount card has saved users over $1 billion. And unlike more well-known free prescription discount cards, Single Care has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. To use this free prescription discount program, all you have to do is go to singlecare.com. If you're looking for a specific prescription, just search that prescription and choose a participating pharmacy and download your free savings card. Or to download your free savings card fast to use at any participating pharmacy, including CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, and Kroger, just go to crushmedicaldebt.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Crush Medical Debt, Medical Bills Uncovered. Those are two things you have to do, whether or not you have traditional commercial health insurance. You have to, one, learn the three steps of the only right way to pay medical bills, and learn how to pay U.S. hospital bills, United States hospital bills. If you have traditional commercial health insurance, you have to remember and learn the rules of the game when you have traditional commercial health insurance is to not pay balance bills. Learn what a balance bill is. So you don't get tricked into paying a balance bill, which is a bill that (laughs) is passing the balance of if you have in-network insurance, or I should say the provider you went to is in-network with your insurance. That means by contract, they've agreed to accept whatever the insurance company pays, pays out as payment in full and trying to send you a bill for any remaining amount, not including the deductibles, if you haven't met your deductible yet, not including co-insurance, not including co-pays, you are not responsible for the rest. That would be a balance bill, sending you a, a balance for the remaining amount. 
Also, if you have traditional commercial health insurance, learn not to be in the 95% of people who don't appeal insurance denials. So remember we talked about the only way that insurance companies can make money is by denying claims or reducing the amount they pay out for claims or for care. And data shows that only 5% of people who have an insurance claim denied, you know, they had medical care done, their provider sends the bill to their insurance and it gets denied. Only (laughs) apparently even less than 5% of the time, people appeal those denials. And unfortunately, we've talked about this in, in other discussions There are, there's evidence, unfortunately, some insurance companies make that part of their business model. What they do is figure out some way to automatically deny the medical services, the claims that come through, because they know there's, they know there's a huge portion that won't get sent through again. It it is what it is. It is really unfortunate. There are companies that are getting Uh, I should say pinched, you know, getting caught with these slimy, really, um, frankly, illegal business models. And that's what you're dealing with. Now, there also are appropriate denials or what appears to the insurance company to be appropriate denials that really are not because they don't have the accurate information or mistakes happen right? These, all of the claims get sent through these computers, right? And computers are programmed by humans and, and glitches happen, you know, glitches happen, right? So, you know, unfortunately computers get hacked, glitches happen, things go down. So don't automatically think, oh my gosh, they didn't cover it. You know, my life sucks. No, you're going to appeal each of those denials, if you believe that that care should have been covered, work with your physician's office or the provider's office if it's a hospital, but definitely if it's your if it's a physician, they are in the interest of making sure their claim, their bill gets paid, right? And also their billing staff, their office staff work with all of these different insurance companies all day, every day. You know, every insurance company has their own way process for appealing their denials. So there's a couple of things that working with the provider's billing office helps with when you're appealing a denial, and that is they will write a letter saying, hey, this is why it's medically necessary or why it's indicated or why it was done or done in this way or done in this time frame, and they will also help you get it through faster because they know each insurance process, company's process, they're going to be a little bit more familiar with it. So that's what you're going to do. That's the name of the game, the rules. If you have traditional health insurance, don't pay balance bills and don't be among the 95% of people who don't appeal insurance denials. And If you don't have or can't afford, I should say, traditional commercial insurance, meaning you can't afford for traditional health insurance, you don't qualify for the ACA subsidies that makes the ACA policies or Obamacare more affordable, and you don't qualify for Medicaid in your state, this is what you're going to do. The rule of this game is you are going to do a two-step process. Number one, you're gonna make sure that your access to basic care, preventive care, primary care is covered, and you're gonna back that up with protection from medical catastrophe. So the first thing you're gonna do is you're going to look at what's called direct primary care practices or DPC, where you pay a flat monthly fee. It can be as little as $45 or as much as $125. On average, my understanding is about $100 a month. 
And that gives you access to preventive or primary care for these practices that participate in this model. The thing is, is that people confuse things like Amazon's One Medical as a DPC, and it's not. that Amazon One Medical is not a direct primary care because they say, hey, for $9, $9.99 a month, you have access to our practice or to our, our medical centers, our medical clinics, our offices. Well, yeah, and they bill your insurance. And if you don't have insurance, you're on the hook for their usual fees. So that's why I want us to be clear that DPCs, direct primary care practices, are not the same as a practice where they say, hey, or a system where they say, hey, just pay this low amount and you have access to us. No. DPCs, the monthly subscription membership, I should call it, you're paying, that's the flat rate for those services. And you can look into see what services they offer. Sometimes even radiology services, let's say, you know, God forbid you get a nasty virus and the cough doesn't go away and they are trying to figure out, hey, is this a bronchitis now or do you actually have pneumonia? They have to roll out pneumonia and, and do an x-ray. Some of these DPCs, direct primary care practices, also include basic, simple radiology services. So look into that. Now, sometimes we can't uh, even afford, you know, for each member of our household or for us, we can't afford a direct primary care monthly fee. And what you're going to do is look into what's called an FQHC, which is a federally qualified health center. And those are communities, they're called historically called community clinics or community centers, definitely in urban and suburban areas, but also in rural settings. They're called rural health clinics. And we'll put the, I'll put the, the link to locations of FQHCs in the show notes. But what FQHCs are really for, they were set up by the federal government to kind of be a safety net. For folks that don't qualify, they fall in between the cracks of Medicaid throughout the country and where there's not a lot of access to health care like in, in many rural areas and unfortunately getting worse throughout the country. So what's nice and what's really important about FQHCs is that all comers, it doesn't matter if you have insurance or not, if you have basically no income or very little income they only charge you according to a sliding scale. So you show them, they'll ask you to bring in tax forms or whatever documentation, and they accept it, and it is what it is, and they'll tell you according to your income what your percentage of payment would be for their services, which includes primary and preventive care and dental services and mental health services are also available at many, many FQHCs. So this is huge. So that's the first part of what you're going to make sure you have primary health coverage that's affordable, whether you have enough to, to do the traditional DPC, direct primary care practice, or if you just like, look, I'm just wiped out, you do an FQHC <clears throat> practice, that's where you're going to get your primary care. And I also recommend for folks who are thinking, hey, you know what, I really, really want to start this business full-time to have some money to be able to like a side hustle. Now I want to make it full-time to be able to take care of my family and grow this, but they can't afford to leave their employers because they can't afford health insurance that's not subsidized by em employers that can't afford the premiums. This is also something you really want to think about doing. Please don't go without health insurance. Don't go without healthcare coverage. Don't go without a plan for healthcare coverage and insurance. And that's, again, getting your primary care taken care of and then backing that up with what's traditionally been called supplemental insurance. So for a long time, people have kind of realized that the American health insurance system is so horrible that we need insurance for our insurance, right? We need 
coverage for big bills that don't get covered by traditional health insurance. And so what these were, usually you would get it through your employer. They would Your employer would offer it in exchange for like taking like $15 a month or something or less out of your check, out of a paycheck or, or out of each paycheck or per month, whatever the number was. It varies, of course. But what you're going to do is you're going to say, hey, I'm going to look at individual policies, companies that offer individual accidental critical illness or hospitalization insurance. And these are policies that make a flat payout to cover expenses that are associated with a claim for a qualifying event. So now these policies do get underwritten, meaning they don't take all comers or if you have, if you're considered high risk, your premium is going to be different than maybe your neighbor's premium who doesn't have the same risk factors, but it's affordable and it will protect you against huge, just future wiping out <laughs> bills that will put you into debt for the rest of your life or, or God forbid, bankrupt you, put you into bankruptcy. It can mean the difference between you covering just life happens and between having to say, you know what, my financial future is destroyed. So these are the two things you're going to, it's a two-step process. You have to have both parts. If you can't afford traditional health insurance, you don't qualify for the ACA subsidy, subsidies or don't qualify for Medicaid in your state, please, people say, you know what? I'm just going to go bareback. I'm just going to take my chances. I'm young. I'm healthy. I'm beautiful. I exercise. Oh, yeah. Okay. You can still get hit by a car you know, when you're on your bike. You can still fall off your bike if you're doing indoor biking. <laughs> Life happens. And the number one thing folks in their 20s and 30s can do to destroy their financial future is to go without health insurance. So please do these two things. If you can't afford traditional insurance, Make sure your primary care is taken care of so little things don't become big things and just wipe you out. And that's with getting a, a membership, paying for a membership in a DPC practice or finding a FQHC near you and partnering that with the backup of catastrophic medical financial protection. So there you go. It's a new day and a new way of paying American medical bills because the old way doesn't work anymore. We can totally do this. You can do this. You got this. Thank you for joining us on this mission to crush medical debt. Now go to crushmedicaldebt.com to learn how to save the most money on your medical expenses, where you can download America's number one free prescription discount card and join the hundreds of CMD Nation community members who have saved thousands. 